Welcome live for the first time, but many more to come. This is the Bearcat Bounce Podcast. Now, that is a name that myself and Aaron Smith, who I'm going to be bringing in, introducing to everyone here on Bearcat Journal in a bit, but it's a name that we tossed around, we thought about, and I know it is the same thing as my weekly segment, recapping everything from the week prior, Bearcat-wise, but, you know, it, it simply flows off the tongue. Bearcat Bounce Podcast, BBP for short. Man, I simply can't choose any other option. I think it's Bearcat Bounce Podcast, the BBP. I am Brent Young. Welcome in. First episode. Bear with us. It's going to be a fun ride. This one might be a little <laughs> bumpy. This one might be more beast instead of son of beast if you enjoy a little king's island in your life but you know you know aaron it's it's going to be fun you know it, any chance you can sit down talk bearcats talk about what is going to be an unbelievable season in both football and basketball this year in my eyes you, it's going to be fun no matter what the bumps are it's going to be fun you're not wrong i mean i'm excited to see what you know fickle and coach brandon have in store for us this year especially after what happened last year and you know, who knows how far we would have gone in the tournament in basketball. And then, you know, Fickles obviously has one of the best recruiting classes that Cincinnati's ever seen coming into this year. Um, and we already, you know, played a little bit of the SmackDown yesterday. So, no, I'm excited to see uh, what we can do here together. Well, let's, let's set the table. Let's kind of give everyone out there an, an opportunity to get to know us. Uh, you know, obviously you've, you've read – hopefully read a lot of my articles that I post up and, and Aaron's been been adding to those as well on BCJ. So so hopefully you've been able to read those. Now you get to hear us talk and, and hear our points of view. And you know, I I'm always of the opinion that yes, I can I can sit down, I can type out an article. Some of my articles are a little long winded. That's just because I have a lot to say. I have a lot to say. And right now, this little five-minute intro that we've had so far would probably be about a two-page paper just writing out what we've talked about up to this point. But I digress. I want to get to know you a little bit more, Aaron. Uh, you know, it's here on the BBP. We're going to – you and I are going to be spending a lot of time back and forthing, possibly crying during certain outcomes, possibly <laughs> smiling, laughter. Uh, you know, it, this can go literally anywhere. But I want to get to know you because i completely honest, point blank – I'm going to tell the, tell the audience, I've, I've spoken with you on the phone maybe twice. Yep. Maybe twice. Yet, I, I am familiar with your work. I know you're a big fan of the Bearcats. I know you're going to bring a lot of knowledge and a lot of insight to this. But go ahead and let all the listeners know a little bit about you, a little bit about your background, and then we're going to dive in to that 55-20 victory against Austin P. and what to look forward to in a lot of more fun segments here on this open episode, but first, you know, kind of let them know, who, who, who is Aaron Smith? Well, I did post an article about who is Aaron Smith on the BCJ, um, but if you didn't have a chance to read it, um, I'm 36 years old. I graduated from Wright State. No, it's not University of Cincinnati. I get that. My dad did graduate from UC, so I did grow up a Bearcats fan, um, but I did pursue my bachelor's degree in communications. I have been <clears throat> co-hosting, um, co-creating uh, the Pardon the Punctuation brand and podcast with uh, my partner over there, um, but kind of doing a little bit different thing over here with BCJ and trying to spread my wings a little bit and trying to see, uh, you know, 
how I can fit in uh, at best with Chad's team that he's assembled and kind of, uh, you know, this uh, Avengers of sorts over here at BCJ. So um, outside of that, I'm recently divorced and no kids. Um, so I can't really speak to that, but um, close to my family all the same. So there you go. All right. And, and so welcome to BCJ first off. And here we go with the BBP. It's going to be a lot of fun. I, you know, and, and that's that's interesting. You mentioned you went to Wright State. Father went to Cincinnati. My parents went to Cincinnati. Kind of my connection as well. I went to Indiana University. Same thing. Did the communications route. Started with journalism. Then all of a sudden, you know, in, in a roundabout way that this world works, went to broadcast communication. Now I'm back kind of doing journalism and now back into a little broadcast communications. Yeah, I broadcast sports here in Indiana, in Indianapolis area, high school sports. Now I'm writing for BCJ, but you know what? That's, that's, that's enough about us. There's a, there's a bigger topic out there, something that, of course, has been long awaited. And we have had from ear to ear. I've, I've been up to here in preview articles. It is literally time to finally sit back at the glory that is the, at the time, number 13 Cincinnati Bearcats taking down the Austin P Governors with a final score of 55 to 20. And first off, I do have to mention, just, just a phenomenal job. When you have something like Austin P, you know, and you, have, you can have a lot to play around with with that name. I got to tip my cap to them. They went for it. They, they literally left it all out on the line with their Twitter handle, of, of an at let's go P. And so I, I, it was fantastic. I was able to use that a couple times during the game. So a tip of the cap to the governors, but still let's go P. And uh, for that entire game, I, I mean, you look across the line, first half was completely dominated by Cincinnati. Second half, you know, you get the, the backups in the, the brilliant depth that is what the Bearcats possess, but still, with that depth, if you're going against a team in, in Austin P, who is actually a really good FCS team, you're going to give up a couple of points, and that's what they did in the fourth quarter. A couple of touchdowns late made it that 55-20, but at one point it was it was completely out of the water. Only six points scored through three quarters for Austin P. But bring it all back. What, Aaron, are your general thoughts about that victory on Saturday? I mean, like I said, we were excited just kind of getting a break away from COVID and everything, all the ways that's affected all of us, just kind of getting back to a little bit of normalcy, having Cincinnati back out on the football field. Um, I got to tell you, one of my first takeaways is this is the first game I've watched, uh, first home game I've watched at home. And I know I, I had mentioned this to you, I believe, um, when we talked yesterday, but it, first game watching at home and you know, normally I'm in the, uh, the flat end zone watching the student section bounce on the other side. But, uh, yeah, it was – there was a lot of glare coming off the field. Like, that yeah. took away from some of the actual viewing experience for me. Um, and it just kind of bothered me throughout the entirety of the game. I don't know if that's a production thing. I don't know if that's just the way the sun happened to be hitting the soccer turf. I don't know if that's, you know, just something that we're going to have to deal with. Um, I kind of feel bad if people have been dealing with this in their viewing experience at home. Um, I don't know that I've necessarily heard anybody talking about that in the past, but that was just something that I noticed. Um, with that said, you know, you kind of alluded to, we did dominate on both sides of the ball. Austin P kind of scored a little bit in garbage time there at the end when Cincinnati right. was tr trotting out a lot of their guys that maybe wouldn't have seen the field otherwise. 
Uh, if it had been a close game, if it was a close game against Austin P, I think we were having an entire different conversation, though. Right. Uh, but with all that said, you know, we got the Big Ten coming back here this week, so it's going to affect some of the – well, not this week, but they announced that they were coming back here this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're coming back in October. It's going to significantly change the polls, not having had some of the Big Ten people in there prior to. And I'm sure we'll talk about that here a little bit later as we kind of go around the NCAA and all of that. But, right. uh, you know, I mean, just good to see our Bearcats in uniform on the field doing what they do. Good to see Fickle at the helm still because God knows how this would all turn out if he wasn't. And right. we all know that that was a scare here in the offseason. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, and to see uh, Freeman there next to him, uh, yeah. you know, just, just all that was good. And it was, again, just nice to kind of breathe a little bit because Cincinnati football is back. Yeah, and you know, like you mentioned, first off, what Luke Fickle reiterated a couple times during his press conference after the game is that it was kind of like Christmas morning and he was an eight-year-old and just waking up and seeing all these presents in front of him, finally getting to open them and see you know what he can do with them and have fun with them. And and that is kind of the same feeling I think that a lot of Bearcat fans had. I, you know, I, I woke up. I started my trek over from Indianapolis to Cincinnati, and immediately I was like, you know what, today feels a little different. To the, woke up this morning feeling a little different is what I tweeted. And, you know, it, it just did have that feeling of, of okay, it's, it's back. It's starting to feel a little bit normal. Things are starting to come back to, to being normal. See, but, you know, as you mentioned, I, I was there at the game in the press box, and, uh, you know, I, I did get a chance to just look out on the field from uh, from above the stands for, for a little while before the game. But, you know, it, it did still have that eerie feeling to it in my eyes as far as just not many fans in the stands, just just parents and, and staff of uh, – well, the players and staff got, got the four tickets allotted to them for immediate family members. And, of course, the band was there and, and you know, the spirit team and, and flag waivers and, and whatnot. But – yeah, it, it did have a strange feeling to it, you know, have, having them run out with, with new black smoke, which looked, you know, awesome and, and coming through. But still, it's like to a to a, a, a stands with not many people in it. But still, it was it was one of those where you then look at the team and what can they do with inside themselves. And as Fickle mentioned, you know, he, he didn't notice any real lack of excitement or energy or anything from his team. And they it just seemed like they were just ready to play. And, it, and if that's the same – kind of motivation that they have just within themselves of being able to go out there and, and play without having, you know, a packed Nippert stadium behind them to kind of boost them forward. Then it's only going to have huge dividends down the line. But yeah, as far as the game goes, it's, it's one of those where you can't really notice too much. This was their 10th straight season opening victory. Quick off the top of your head. Can you name the last loss on an, on an open first game of the season? Gosh, um, not off the top of my head, no. It's, it's, it's tough. So I gave you a little hint there, 10 straight. So that means it was back in 2010, they lost at Fresno State Oof. in the Butch Jones. First first game as the head coach, uh, that was, I believe it was 28-14. So, but still, you rattle off that many wins, you get off to a, a strong start on the year. But, you know, you kind of break it down, and, and it looks like as far as stat-wise, a little interesting, you know, no rushers over more than, you know, 57 yards as, as Desmond Ritter as, as a rush total. You know, your leading receiver is Jared Dokes out of the backfield. But still, you've got to take a step back and kind of look, wow, okay, Dokes did score four touchdowns. 
Uh, Ritter was was effective and and pretty accurate as well, passing the football. Ben Bryant came in and did his thing for a little bit. I mean, as far as just just players, just that opening game. It, any players that really stuck out to you, who kind of surprised you, rather than what you had going into the season? Well, I wanted to look at both sides of the ball, so I did have some notes on both sides of the ball there. Um, yeah. Players that stuck out to me, it was good to see James Wiggins back. Right. Um, and he did make some plays, breaking some things up, and making sure that you know th- they weren't out there trying to run up on the defense. So it was, it was definitely a nice change of pace to see James Wiggins back on the field there on the defensive side of the ball. On the other side of the ball, though, uh, Josh Wiley, I think uh, he was a player that stood out for me. Just uh, He already surpassed his yard total last year. Um, he already surpassed his catch total last year. And uh, now he's on the board with a score. So he came into Cincinnati as super highly talked about out yep. of Cincinnati. And uh, just good to see them using him uh, and kind of getting to see – now that, you know, we hate to see DeGuara leave, but kind of getting him to see – getting to see him spread his wings. Yeah, yeah. I, and, and, you know, I'm going to get up on a pedestal here, and I'm going to completely just mark my territory and, and let it be known. There's no doubt in my mind, I think that Josh Wiley will be an NFL player, and you cannot convince me otherwise. And I think he's not going to just be an NFL player middling around and, and, you know, getting in on special teams and things of that sort. I think he's going to be – up to the le- and I know this is this is probably a little premature on my part, but I'm I'm throwing it out all out on the line. I uh, hope that Josh eventually hears it. Hope that Chad pumps it to Josh at practice and and lets him know, hey, I, you know, you're getting some praise over there on BC Jam, the new BBP. But <laughs> I got to take a step back and, and and look at just that size, that speed, catching ability, catch radius. I, you know, his first catch on the day was a ball that was somewhat overthrown by Des Ritter. But still, he went up, he caught it at the highest peak and, and was falling down as he caught it because it was a little bit higher, trying to get it over the defender. But still, a, a great catch there. Looked like a receiver doing it. And then, of course, that one catch where it got them down to the two-yard line when it was a it was a second-and-long situation after a penalty. I, simply, he held on to that ball, got cracked right after he caught it. That was one of those where – in previous years, he might have, you know, been a little hesitant to try and catch that due to the injury issues that he faced. But, you know, I, I can't do anything but to step away and be like, I, I think down the line, Josh Wiley will be rostered on my fantasy football team, and I would be completely happy with it because I, I think he's one of those just high-flight tight ends is exactly with what you want in this, this year's game. Today's game is, is spreading it out, speed, strength, and his height and his ability just just takes me to a whole different level. So I was really high on Josh Wiley after this performance as well. And as you mentioned, that just great having James Wiggins back. I think that Wiggins will solidify that that defensive secondary. Obviously, one of the best secondaries in the entire country. I will stand by that. A weird game though. You know, it seemed like like Austin Peay quick passes, getting it out of the backfield quickly. You know, underneath routes gaining five, but able to pick up a couple more after that. Just kind of you know, dink and dunk down the field to get away from the rush, different things of that sort. So I think that kind of made the, the DBs look a little worse than how they really are. But still, I'm, I'm extremely high on them, and Wiggins is a big reason why. 
Any any big concerns for you? I I know on the board a lot of people are talking about the defense and and different things of that sort. Any any concerns that you've kind of been able to take away as far as you know what do you think they need to work on heading into next week in a, a huge game against Army? One of the things that I was concerned about because again I kind of looked at both sides of the ball here. Um, you know Desmond Ritter statistically had a good game. He right. didn't have a great game. And I feel like he should have had a great game against Austin P. I thought he, I thought everybody on both sides of the ball looked a little rusty out there in the first half, especially. Um, mm-hmm. I think more so in the first quarter than in the second quarter. It seemed like things all kind of started to click for everybody. Like, oh, we are playing a game. But I think that's something you see when you have a team playing its third game of the season versus a yeah. team playing its first game of the season. So right. it almost wasn't a fair playing field as far as that goes, um, just in that you know, they did have more experience on the field as a team together uh, compared to Cincinnati. Um, the other thing on the defense side of the ball, we should have turned the ball over more against Austin P. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we did get that turnover late in the game there by, I think it was third quarter when Bush picked it off. Yeah. Right. Um, but, you know, when you have a top 10 defense and you're playing Austin P, you're expected right. to win, you should be taking the ball away. And so I would have liked to see a little bit more of that. So those are where some of my concerns lie, especially when you're going to play an Army team where you're not going to get an opportunity to pick off the ball, really, because they're going to run it down your throat. Yeah, you, you know, I, I agree with you. Um, I, one, one possible turnover was a pass that went right through Kobe Bryant's hands, mm-hmm. and that would have been – that would have taken the second field goal off the board in the third quarter, you know, kind of a little hot, and then he, he dropped that one. And then another one, which which we're going to touch on a little bit more, was when David Jones was in, and so great to see the three amigos in that second le- level of the defense. But still, he had a an interception that kind of bounced off his hands as well. And I believe that was on the drive that they ended up having that long touchdown run for their second touchdown of the uh, of the game in that fourth quarter. But still, you know, it, as you mentioned, it's it's kind of turnovers kind of seem to be very opportunistic, you know, where you right place, right time situation. I, like even the Arquan Bush interception, he was right there and just made the play he needed to make. Kind of the same thing with Kobe. Kobe Bryant right there, got to be able to call that one in and and kind of be able to, to, to intercept that ball, especially as a senior. You want to be able to have that strong ability to take that pass and, and intercept it, especially if it's right in your hands. And then, of course, David Jones, the young freshman, Big promise out of him, but those are those are some that I saw. But yeah, you know, it, it was kind of the, you know, you you can be vanilla on offense, but you can kind of be vanilla on defense as well. I think so. At times, I think the defense was a little vanilla. You know, not really. They brought some blitz packages, but didn't really get to the quarterback that much. Didn't really get in the backfield that much. There were some tackles for losses, but still, you expect you would expect a little bit more out of Austin P. But Maybe they are going with a little bit of, of, of a vanilla look, knowing that they did have the personnel to beat the governors pretty easily without exposing too much. But I don't know. I, my main concern was just the, the running in between the tackles. You know, they had, they had a lot of success with, with the read options and, and keeps by the quarterback. You know, you saw obviously Ben Bryant having that, that one long 40-yard touchdown run, which actually, you know, Tell me if you would have had that at home as a as a prop bet. You know who is who's going to be the leading rusher? The, the, no, the the longest run of the of the opening game for the Bearcats. You, 
you would have to think it'd be Dokes or, or Ritter, but no, it's, it's Ben Bryant with 40-yard touchdown run. And then, of course, you know, he, he had a couple of other good runs by Dez, and Charles McClellan had that one really good run that he, he fumbled at the end, but still, great to see him do it. But it kind of is what Coach Fickle said in his press conference, just about how he wanted, you know, he expected Dokes to kind of pound the football up the middle a little bit more, you know, really – really put their foot in the ground and, and take it in between the tackles. In the second half, it seemed like they got a couple tackles for loss. And But, you know, who knows? Maybe that's going to be something where they eventually, you know, they recognize the block schemes a little bit more, recognize the, the holes opening with, with the offensive line a little bit more. But I thought the, the running in between the tackles was a little bit suspect at times. No, I'd agree. And, you know, we know that, you know, it's James Hudson's first game in over a year the transfer from Michigan. Um, so good to see him out there. Uh, but no, I mean, and again, I kind of, it's hard to not go back to the well with it's one team's third game and one team's first game. You know, some of that stuff takes chemistry. Some of that t- stuff takes time to build when, you know, you, especially in COVID, I, I don't know, you have a better idea than I do as far as how practices have been run and how much exposure they've had working together on field versus off the field. Right. Um, but, you know, it's just a matter – it's going to be just a matter of time, I think. Yeah. I, I think the best thing about this game, really taking a step back, is is the fact that only one injury, and, and that was Alec Pierce. Uh, you know, one injury on the on the two deep depth chart, and that was Alec Pierce, who sounds like he might be out a little bit longer than initially expected. Uh, you know, Chad and, and Justin Williams from The Athletic, I was talking with both of them, and, and it just kind of sounds like, you know, who knows when he will be back? And, and Luke is always very you – know, I keep on saying vanilla, but Luke is extremely vanilla when it comes to injuries and kind of doesn't really give you too much information on him. And like Chad always says, it's above our pay grade, so we don't really know. But, you know, outside of that, no real injuries. No one needing to be held out because of this crazy pandemic. Mm-hmm. Nothing of that sort. So – Going in that healthy and do game one, even if it is this much later in the year, is, is really something to kind of hang your hat on. Well, and, you know, that begs the question, though, where's Blue? <laughs> yeah, that's a question that, that I don't think a lot of people know the answer to. Um, yeah. I, I can answer. Thank you, Chad. Come on in. He's, he's recovering from foot surgery. So he's, he's been out since the spring. Uh, okay. Working towards his way back, but yeah, he, he had foot surgery, um, so he has been unavailable. Not for any uh, nefarious reason, but because he is—he uh, has been injured. So I, I appreciate you clearing that up, though. That, that's what I'm here for. People, the people don't know I'm here, but it's Bearcat Journal. I'm always somewhere lurking. Back to the show. How about that? Wow, from the heavens, <laughs> out of nowhere. That was. That was impressive. Yeah, it, he's not he, – we didn't even invite him onto this thread, but, you know, like you said, he's always listening. But, yeah, you know, Blue is is one of those players that, of course, all the promise in the world, highly regarded, you know, receiver coming in. But he's he's got to put it all together on the field. And and as Chad mentioned, injuries can be the, the main bugaboo to keep you off the field, which is what we saw with with Josh Wiley. Um, sure. And in his first two seasons, obviously – being hampered down by injuries. And, you know, when you are able to stay injury-free and, and really practice like a professional, 
and build your body up to the point where you don't have to worry about those nagging injuries, then you have the chance to go out and perform at a higher level and show all that high talent that everyone knows that you have. So, you know, I, I think that maybe blue will show back up down the line, but for now, recoup, maybe, maybe look back and see how Josh Riley has been doing it and kind of, kind of get a look at that. But, you know, Aaron, you kind of alluded to it earlier, but this, this class of 2020, the highest rated recruiting class in program history. Mm -hmm. How about the freshmen getting run on Saturday? That was great to see. Yeah. Um, the one that I was most excited to see is actually a transfer from Alabama. Um, mm -hmm. but Jerome Ford, you know, he got on the board. He got himself a touchdown. Yep. Um, he came in, everybody was talking about him, you know, getting somebody from Alabama as, you know, Cincinnati, we're not supposed to be getting those types of kids. Right. And all of a sudden you got, you know, Hudson coming in from Michigan, as I already talked about. You got yep. Jerome Ford coming in from Alabama. You got mm -hmm. Blue coming here from Ohio State. All these guys were highly touted when they were coming into their recruiting, their respective Michael career. Young, Notre Dame. Yeah, there's another one. Um, just a lot of pieces here that we're putting together that, you know, it almost feels like the Island of Misfit Toys, but I feel like Luke Fickle is really, really good at bringing out the best in these, these guys. Yeah, well, and then you put all that, you add that to that 2020 class, and you see Jaden Thompson getting the start in his first game yep. as a true freshman uh, for Alec Pierce. But still, I, like Jaden Thompson is a high, high-level receiver. I, just go to Chad's Twitter. Chad had a, had a beautiful picture of Jaden Thompson trying yeah. to trying yeah. to locate a high yeah. ball. And, and you know what? That was, that was a simple offsides play by Austin P. The recognition by the freshman – to know, hey, this is a free play. Dez is going to throw me a jump ball. We've practiced this. Let me go up and try and get that. Because that is probably a play that Dez practiced with Alec Pierce, knowing, hey, if we get a free play, go, and, you know, go, and I'm just going to throw you a jump ball. So you have Jaden Thompson out there, and you just see the athleticism that he has. It's awesome to see. But, you know, you, you look down the line past that, and you had a 20-yard rush by Tyler Scott, who looked – eerily like Trey Tucker on the jet sweeps that he used to run last year. You look at, and, and how about a shout to, to Trey Tucker, the, the first offensive touch. Yes, he, he returned the opening kickoff, but the first offensive touch that he had after being so close to breaking so many plays last year, all the way to the end zone, whether it be on kickoff return or, or quick pass or a jet sweep, he, he finally finds the end zone on the opening drive, which was awesome. And also that was the first time in a Luke Fickle, season opener that the offense scored on their opening drive. So things were, were kind of clicking for them, but I digress. The, the freshmen, really great. And then, of course, that special moment down the line in the fourth quarter, you see the three amigos. I don't know if that was dubbed by them or I don't know if it was strength coach Brady Collins that gave them that, that nickname or, or, or exactly what it was. But BCJ caught wind of it, and we're going to run with it, the three amigos of Deshaun Pace, David Jones, and Jaheim Thomas, all of them hometown heroes. They are playing at the second level in the fourth quarter in their first game. That is not only huge for them, that's huge for recruiting. That's huge for these hometown heroes, potential hometown heroes seeing, look, wow, this is exactly what the staff has been telling us. Look at this, just, just showing us right in front of our eyes that we could be out there on Saturdays, immediately playing. Yes, it was in a blowout fashion, and yes, there was a long run against them, and yes, they probably got rained out by by Marcus Freeman and, and 
Fickle and everyone for giving up that long run, but still, it's just a special moment to have them all out on the field together. And this this freshman class, I just think that the, you know, you saw Peyton Singletary out there as well. You saw you know, Prater. Bell. Prater was in there running yeah. a couple of plays at the end. It, it was just awesome to see all the young talent out there on the field. Well, it's definitely different than anything that Tommy Tuberville did when he was here, as he wouldn't yeah. even recruit here in the Queen City. So it's a uh, I mean, it's, it's a breath of fresh air, really. Yeah, well, it, it's, it's the difference between someone whose second favorite sport is wrestling and someone whose second favorite sport is golf. I, that's, that's a big difference. You're so, wrong. you know, it, I just thought overall, yes, there's a lot of things you want to work on in the opening game. But still, if you're going to be – if you're going to win a game 55 to 20 and you're going to at one point be up, like 40 some odd points, I, you know, you, you got to just be like, okay, yes, you can nitpick every, every situation you can nitpick. Yes, sure. Only 10 carries and 20 yards for Jared Dukes. Well, what if he runs the ball 25 times as Fickle mentioned in the post post game. And before you know it, he breaks one or two big runs like Mike Warren used to do. And before you know it, that 20 yard yards turns into 120 yards because of two long gainers. And so, you know, you, you take all that and you say, hey, at, at one point in the fourth quarter before, you know, the it, it was 48 to 6. Aaron, I, I don't know how good you are at math, but 48 to 6, that means that you are up by how much real quick? Just, just give me the quick math. That's 42, yeah. Wow. You are smart, right state alum. Look at you. That's six scores for those of you keeping track of that too. So Yes. So, you know. If you are an outsider and, you know, the, the quote-unquote worldwide leader in sports had a little blurb about their game against Austin P, and all it was was blowout fashion, Cincinnati wins an easy one, blah, blah, blah. But we break things down a lot further than that. And that's, that's a big reason why you can nitpick things. You can see yards picked up, things of that sort. But still, you gotta, you got to step back and you got to say, you know what, no one got hurt. You look that's at huge. it. That's huge. Yeah. You look at it and you say, we didn't really show too much. We scored when we needed to score, got stops when we needed to get stops. I walk away pleasantly pleased with how the team performed. Yeah, no, I'd agree. I mean, if I was trying to be a little bit critical, I mean, you could go with Ben Bryant at the end of the first half when he didn't really look like he knew what he was even doing out there, to be clear. Right, right. He knocked that rust off and he picked it up there in the second half. I was happy to see the improvement there. Um, you know, the defense can't look lackluster in the first quarter of any game. Yeah. Right. But, again, that's just me being nitpicky. Yeah. And, you know, another thing to think about is this is Austin Peay's third game. They did just tra- travel to Pittsburgh and played a pretty pretty solid Pittsburgh team, the good defense. So they kind of were able to get toughened up through that. And this is also their last game before a long layoff and then they play in the spring. So all those things added together, you've got some fight in your dog that wants to go out there. I, and this is this is a team that went to the Elite Eight in the FC, FCS tournament last year. This is a team that they're not going to give up. They're not going to roll over. And so you saw that fight at times, and you saw them able to, to scheme and figure out ways to move the football and, and try and stop them defensively. But still, you know, I – I also want to mention one last thing is that this team had a lot of a lot of players rotating in. 
did did you notice that from home? They did, yeah. I mean, you know, like I said earlier, you got to see, especially later in the game, you know, an Evan Prater, you got to see some of those freshmen coming out. You got to see a little bit deeper than just, you know, even just the two deep. Yeah. Um, so there was definitely a lot of rotating in and out, yeah. Right. But, like, in even in the beginning of the game, it, it seemed like every two plays, every three plays, you, you've got three or four new players coming in and just constant flow on offense and defense. And, you know, it, it kind of reminded me, of like an early season college basketball game, you know, the first like 10 games of college basketball, you see a, a rotation of 10 to 11 players and you see them really try and just figure out what formations work, what, what you know, groups work together the best when you need this, who's on the field for that, who's on the court for that. You know, I, I kind of kept on thinking about, you know, a, a John Brandon early in the season using his entire bench, trying to, to pick and prod where exactly you're going to be and then before you know it you figure it out about midway through and before before it gets too late you're able to then find that core find those basketball seven players rotation that you need to win a tough game you find those 22 to 28 players on both sides of the ball that you need in there at crunch time in football so i think all that rotating is going to really show at the end of the season when you're able to find the best groups to put together in whatever formation, it, whether it be offense or defense. So, you know, all in all, I step away happy. I'm, I'm happy with the win, happy no one got hurt. I think Des actually looked good. I was fine with the way that Des played. And, of course, one thing that will always trump is, is, is a quarterback with maturity and knows how to who win football games, won't take too many risks but will win football games, and that's exactly what Luke Fickle likes, and that's what Des does. So you walk away, victory. Bearcats are 1-0, and oh, but let's move on. Let's talk about this AP Bowl that came out today, Aaron. Just got to talk about it real quick. Yeah, uh, sure. you know, AP Bowl means nothing. It is literally a number that they put in front of a team on a television to, to attract more eyeballs that, that you generally would – would see uh, most of the time when the AP poll comes out and then the college football, you know, playoffs poll come out, uh, they, they, there is correlation, but it's not the same. It, it does not, the AP does not matter. Yes, it does. Maybe perception wise and things of that sort, but it's always been one of those things that really frustrates me because you see the Bearcats did nothing. They, they, they went out, they won 55 to 20 in a game that they were, the spread was 34 and a half. They covered the spread. Yep. I mean, they did exactly what they were supposed to do. But yet they dropped a slot to 14th, get passed by a couple teams, including Central Florida, who by all means had a fantastic game at Georgia Tech. So that was a little validated. But still, I, you know, it, it just boggles my mind. They, they slide down to 14. Your thoughts on that? I mean, if that boggles your mind, you don't even want to look at the coaches' poll where they're I actually – I saw it 16. <laughs> we'll move on where they're even including the Big Ten teams that aren't yeah. playing until a month from now. But, okay, right. the hell are we doing here? But, um, I don't know. I mean, you know, we're 14. I think Central Florida jumping us, you know, to your point, yes, they, they played a, a better opponent. They played them well. Um, I can't argue with anything there. Right. And I think that'll all settle itself out when we play them later on this year anyway. Right. Uh, so, beyond that, just kind of looking at the rest of everything up and down, I mean – you got some AAC in there, especially towards the top, you know, being Clemson. Um, 
Miami's making some noise as well. Um, you know, there was a game there where they pretty much took care of Louisville. Uh, and, you know, we got to see Jarrett King there um, and kind of yeah. they finally found a quarterback, which I feel like they've been searching for a quarterback now for years. Yeah. Um, even with Tate Martell opting out and everything that happened there. <laughs> but, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's great to see – Week one, Cincinnati sitting at 14. It's great to see even, you know, I don't know if you saw the, the clips from Pat McAfee where he kind of, I think, <laughs> I think he drank quite a bit of Cincinnati Kool-Aid when he went to uh, Camp Higher Ground last year when he was yeah. hanging out with uh, Fick and the boys there. Um, but, you know, he, he's, you're a bear, you're a cat, you put them together, you're unstoppable. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the guys on cocaine, like, or at least – appears that way at all times <laughs> just so much high energy it's crazy but um i don't know i mean it, it was really good to see pat mcafee still have us in you know the the college playoff there at the end of the year yeah and i think that speaks to the program here that luke fickles built yeah and you know desmond howard obviously last week caused a little stir among bearcat fans by having them in the college football playoffs dennis dodd at cbs did the same thing you know so, so the, the names are floating out there that's why I think this movement of the AP poll is, is nothing but a bulletin board material, chip on the shoulder. You know, Fickle mentioned numerous times how he does not like being the favorite. He loves the underdog role, relishes in it, honestly. And the fact that he can now have this and say, guys, look, we moved down a slot. People are disrespecting us. We got jumped by Central Florida. All of that, you tie all that in, that's going to be huge for them down the line and a huge chip on their shoulder, and that's exactly what, what Fickle wants, and that's what, he, that's what he honestly got with that AP poll. So now up next is something that we're going to introduce, and it's going to be something that unravels a lot. But now, I, you know, I live in the state of Indiana. Gambling is legal, and it is something that is taking over. It is something that will be in NFL stadiums, Everywhere, I believe, in the next five years, you'll be able to go to a sports book, place some bets on the game, place some bets on whatever game you want. But just some quick Bearcats best bets is what we're going to call them. I already mentioned that the Bearcats covered that 34-and-a-half this past week. There were a couple of tough beats as well last week. If you had Tulane, you were sitting through that first half loving life, and then the second half you were very sad and came out a loser in that one. And you also look at, at a different, like South Florida, enduring a 52 to nothing loss to the Golden Domers and Notre Dame. Tulsa covered Oklahoma State. That was uh, – no, they did not cover, pardon me. I believe that was a – I'd have to go back and one. check. But, I, you know, as far as it goes, you were you covered the AAC with, with, with an AAC roundup wrap-up whatever you may call it, what were you able to notice, Aaron, throughout just the opening week on for the, for the Bearcats, week two, week three for some of these teams, but what were you able to see around the AAC this past weekend? Um, well, Tulsa was actually uh, – Oklahoma State was favored 21 and a half. Oh, 21 and a half, okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's so big that, cover. That, big that cover. Did, that, well, that was what they were favored, um, and Tulsa made it a game. Yes. And, uh, you know, with Oklahoma State only eking out 16-7, that was was not good for Oklahoma State. But that made our conference look a little bit better um, because nobody was talking about Tulsa coming into the year. Everyone's talking about Houston. They're talking about 
uh, SMU, Memphis, Cincinnati. Uh, nobody is talking about Tulsa. Even Temple gets a little bit of mention. But uh, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, Tulsa. Um, outside of that, you already kind of talked a little bit about Navy. Um, Navy got the win there at the buzzer. Uh, yeah. Literally, as clock expired, uh, they kicked a field goal. Um, to your point, uh, yeah, that that was not good if you took Tulane. <laughs> Um, they were supposed to beat them quite a bit more handily than they, and they didn't win at all. So yeah, that, that didn't really work out for anybody there. Um, you did have South Florida and Notre Dame beat the brakes off South Florida. There's really no other way to say it. Um, you mess with the bull, you get the horns unless you're playing in South Bend against Notre Dame. Unless you're South Florida, and I don't know what horns they've been giving anybody since Flowers has been gone. It wasn't even that cold. I, I guess for South Florida standards, it was. <laughs> but still, you know, I, I mean, it's just that was I, – I think they said it was the highest win, win margin at Notre Dame Stadium. Don't quote me on that, but something along those lines. And, of course, South Florida's coming to Nippert in a couple of weeks. <laughs> I mean – I mean, it was bad. It was ugly. And I don't know what they even have to go off of. You want to break that game down a little bit more. Uh, they had two quarterbacks in the game. Neither of them surpassed 64 yards um, in the air. Yeah. Neither of them surpassed 21 yards on the ground. Now, granted, uh, one's a senior, one's a sophomore. But it was – I mean, that wasn't good. They didn't really have anybody running the ball outside of the quarterback. I mean, they're leading – uh, their leading rusher, he had 136 yards and a score. Um, actually, that was Notre Dame. I'm sorry. Their leading rusher had 70 yards on six carries, and that was a sophomore, uh, Johnny Ford. So, yeah, yeah. no, I mean, it was – South Florida has nothing to really hang their hat on in that loss. Mm -hmm. um, nothing to really even look up at and be like, we did this really well or we did this, you know, anywhere on the field. Right. It's just a bunch of question marks everywhere. So no, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to South Florida coming up here. And then that that Tulane game, crazy because mm -hmm. Tulane, if you remember last week, I believe they were down seventeen nothing against South Alabama. Came back and won that game. Now all of a sudden they're up seventeen nothing against Navy. So it took Navy six quarters to remember how to play football after taking that beating against BYU, and this is this is not the uh, – I, I mean, BYU is a good team, definitely a very good team, but Navy looked terrible in that week one. Was it just kind of they finally figured it out? They, they finally remembered how to tackle and play football in that second half? Well, I mean, Navy's defense got them back in the game. They did intercept uh, Keon Howard, Tulane's quarterback, at the three-yard line with less than a minute in the first half. Um, and they were, you know, at the three yard line, you're about to punch it in, or at the very least take three, like tack three more on. And so that pick that helped, uh, that helped Navy out quite a bit. And that was kind of the turning point. Navy went on to add a safety in the third quarter and they just kind of started scoring. And so, yeah, I mean, that turning point when, when you literally can go into the locker room at halftime and be like, we just stopped them guys. We're still in this. No one's given up and let's not, you know, don't forget the fact that these are Navy men. Like they're yeah. not, they're not just football players. They're also in the military. Never give up on the military. <laughs> these are the guys out there protecting us and protecting our rights. And that's the intangible know. right there. Huh? You're not kidding. 
And then, of course, SMU, 6535. You won't, won't, won't really even touch on that one other than it's good to see them handle a lesser Texas team. Uh, that Texas State game was horrible, and it was one that uh, – that that did did hurt the wallet a little bit for myself, but uh, we've not <laughs> mentioned that too much. Uh, and then of course Houston Baylor postponed, which you feel so bad for Houston. You know, I saw someone tweet it, but it's it, it is like Houston set up two blind dates. Well, not really blind dates, but set up two dates with with people that they were that they were maybe a little out of their league, but they were ready to show that they can do what they can to to pull out a victory and succeed in that set date. And then of course. Memphis postpones the date because that date was a little bit too busy on a party bus. And then, of course, Baylor postponed that date as well, and you feel so bad for Houston. You just hope that they can pull it all back together and find a successful date here in the future. But, you know, the, the girls are tough these days, man. They, they are really tough and uh, because they could have COVID or they could have some trace of it. So you got to be careful. Houston, Houston, we'll figure it out. Yeah, no, I mean, kind of going back to that SMU game, I did want to mention they put up 700 yards of offense, dude. Wait, <laughs> like, say that again? Over 700 yards of offense. Oh, man. I thought you were, I thought you were just throwing out random numbers. That's no, a, that's, that's, that's crazy. So I did want to mention that because I don't know that I'm going to get to say that at any point during the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, so I did want to make mention of that. That's crazy. Yeah, I, I mean, you look at what the Bearcats did with their total yardage against uh, against Austin P, I believe it was pulling it up. Yep. So, I mean, they, they ran the ball well, passed the ball very well, 525 total yards. So you're talking 200 more yards than the Bearcats put up against Austin P. That is just phenomenal. And they needed that after that Texas State game a couple weeks ago where they didn't look very good. They looked flat, everything of that sort. So a good bounce back by them. But – Round it all back to the biggest game in the AAC this past weekend, Central Florida and Georgia Tech. Just your main your main looks other than, you know, Gabriel Davis just being an, an absolute stud at the quarterback position. Dylan uh, Gabriel, pardon Dylan, Dylon Dylon Gabriel. Gabriel, yeah. I was I was gonna correct you there. Gabriel Davis is the wide receiver. He caught a touchdown pass today, so that's why it was fresh in my mind. Um Dylan Gabriel, to your point, um he he did go for a career high four hundred and seventeen yards. Um, four touchdowns. He was picked off once, but yeah, he kind of went out there and he just showed them all who he was. If you didn't already know, he, he's, he's, he's back. Um, and they didn't, they didn't relinquish the lead at all. Um, the Yellow Jackets were never really in this game. Um, mm-hmm. You did have, you know, two receivers for UCF, uh, Marlon Williams, Jalen Robinson, uh, one a senior, one a sophomore. They each went over a hundred yards. Um, you also had another senior, Trey Nixon, who had 94 yards himself and two touchdowns. Oof. I mean, they're just – they're going to be hard to handle. And right. rattling stats like that off, those are the kind of things that I expected to see out of our revamped receiver room that we have talked so much in the offseason about. And that's, you know, when I say earlier in the conversation that I wanted to see a little bit more out of Ritter, have not a good game, but a great game. Right. Dylan Gabriel had himself a great game. Yeah. Yeah, you know, but that's the thing. You you look at it, and, and Dylan Gabriel threw 41 passes. I You know, I just don't think you're going to ever see that out of a Luke Fickle coach team. I mean, maybe if they're down early and often and it turns into an absolute shootout, 
But, like, I, I mean, 41 passes, I'd have to go back and look. But, I mean, Fickle threw it 19 – pardon me, Ritter threw it 19 times, Ben Bryant threw it seven times for a total of 26 passes. They just want it, – it's a program built in the trenches. They want to control the line of scrimmage. That is going to lead to rushing. I mean, you look at it, and as we mentioned, there was, what, eight different players that caught a pass, right? For you look at some- right? Yeah, but you look at rushing, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten different players ran the football and at least once. And so, I, you know, yes, I would love to see air raids. I, I, I love the days where, you know, you had Gunnar Keel firing it out to the plethora of wide receivers at his disposal. But, you know, it, it just seems like you want those stats, you want those video game numbers. But the main thing with, with Fickle is just winning football games. But I, as you mentioned, a good game and a great game. And it was, of course, for Central Florida, Dylan Gabriel just with a, with a great game. And, of course, the touch on Jeff Sims, I think that he, the freshman quarterback for Georgia Tech, I think he's going to be great. I think he's going to have a great career. Right. But I think that they, this, they got a little bit too much, you know, pub behind them after their game last week against Florida State. I, you know, I, I just don't simply think that they were as good of a team as everyone was marking them off to be. And, and you, you kind of see at the end, Greg McElroy, who was covering the game for ESPN, mentioned that he thinks the AAC is the third, maybe the fourth best conference in all of college football at this point. And he, he meant it. So yeah, I, I don't know that you can really argue that. I mean, you got the ACC, and I think top to bottom, I mean, yes – if you're looking at Clemson and Miami, they're at the top, maybe North Carolina. Um, yeah. But outside of that, I mean, I don't know that we don't stack up against them. If you look at the Pac-12, I think we're better than the Pac-12, 100%. Um, and I don't think that can even actually be argued at this point. I think I think they're saying Big 12, the AC better. is better than Big 12. I mean, again, you could stack us up, and I think that you'd be surprised. But it's the name Big 12 has so much prestige for yeah. in, in history that Oklahoma and Texas at the top, obviously. Right. I don't know. It's it's interesting. SEC starts next week. That's going to be a lot of movement in, in the polls and whatnot. We'll uh, obviously be able to touch on those throughout the week. But, you know, it it's kind of one of those situations where it. I, I think that you got to block everything out if you're Cincinnati. Worry about what you have in front of you. And don't worry about anything on the outside. If the Big Ten comes back and they move back the college football playoffs and whatnot to to appease to that, it's going to be strange. It's going to be something where if you win all of your games, you do what you need to do and push forward, then you just got to hope some things fall your way and, and, go, and go with it. Because right now, if you're going to nitpick and you're really going to look at what teams are moving up, what teams are moving down, you know, how good really are these teams? Because all of us – those are the only teams we get to watch right now. So how good are they really? We don't know. So I, just take care of business. Know that you're a good team and, and push forward because, I mean, you've been watching college football. You watched this BAAC. You, you did your, your recap of them. And it, it does seem like there's some really good teams in the American Athletic Conference. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, I mentioned Houston, Memphis, uh, SMU, I think can, is trying to put themselves in that conversation. Cincinnati. Um, Central Florida. Yeah, I mean, there's we, we've got some 
definitely some people that people don't want on their schedule. <laughs> they don't want us on their schedule. So yeah. no, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's a good time to be an American conference fan. So, so one, one last close up, Chad and Dave, they will have their moral BCJ podcast. We're going to continue doing our Bearcat Bounce podcast, the BBP. You know, that just flows. That, there's something about the letter B and the letter P. It just flows off the tongue, BBP. But we kind of looked up and down of some games coming up this week. And, of course, Cincinnati Army, 330 ESPN at Nippert Stadium. You've got two ranked opponents going up against each other. And what was the spread last time you looked, Aaron? It was. It opened at thirteen. I think now it's down to eleven and a half. Give me your eyeballs on it. Give me your your hot take. Are you telling them triple down, double down? Give it the old lock. What if do you we, have for that one? If we see this team stay out on the field for four quarters, I think they're going to cover that eleven and a half point spread. With that said. If we're only up 11 and a half and you're starting to put some of the guys that aren't starters in towards the end of the game there, I'm a little nervous. But with that all said, I think we should cover. We're the 14th ranked team in the nation. I think we're going to stop Army in that that rush. And if we force him to throw the ball, I don't think Army's actually going to know what the hell to do. So, no, I'm, I'm doubling down. I take that 11 and a half and I take Cincinnati. All right, taking your word for it, and I'll uh, I'll send you the invoice if things go awry. <laughs> but my lock of the weekend, I I'm seeing Alabama twenty one and a half at Missouri, and Missouri has twelve players who are currently going to be out. That's what their head coach said. Alabama, it must be something in the water down there. Zero players have tested positive for COVID, is what they said. Saban says they're extremely healthy. No one has opted out. Crimson Tide roll. And I don't even like saying that. Crimson <laughs> Tide roll. So pretty good first first show here, Aaron. You know, here on the on the Bearcat Bounce podcast, we, we wanna we're always open to critique, open to what we can fix, what we can add. And of course, this is gonna be something that we will will adjust throughout the season. This is an in-season podcast as the football team, hopefully, if things go as as some people point towards and, and I have high hopes for, is a, a historic season for not only the program, but for college football in general when it comes to the Bearcats. You know, it's it's going to be fun to ride this roller coaster, ride this ride with them. And, uh, you know, Aaron and myself, we're going to bring you bring you action, bring you our insight and, and thoughts on it throughout the way. But you know, as, as basketball nears, we're going to bring in some basketball into it. You know, Aaron's a big basketball guy. He, he, I, what you averaged, what was it? 23 and a half points per game back no. in high school. No, yes. I, I certainly yeah. didn't play. Yeah, you did. Okay. So that was good. Very, you were a very good basketball player. So that'll be something to be pretty excited about when that rolls around. That's really when the bear cap bounces. And as things continue to, develop and things continue to go down the right path we could potentially as the the off seasons hit bring in bring in special guests you know obviously i i have a pretty good connection with this guy named chad brendel he is the owner of a website that you guys all might be familiar with so he he might be able to come on 
every once in a while. Uh, you know, Justin Williams at the Athletic, Dave Simone is probably not. Probably not. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> definitely not. And then you know, Brett Stein is another guy I might know. So you know, we're we're going to bring you some of these as we continue to to develop the pod. But we are wide open to critique, wide open to anything that we could add, anything we could adjust. But you know, Aaron, it's it's been fun for the opening pod. I think that uh, I think we just gave the listeners a way to make some some easy money with with the closing remarks, and I think that we gave them the insight that they needed. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to work with you here, and I look forward to us trying to figure out our chemistry, much like we've been talking about with, uh, with this team this year. Uh, it's early on in the season for everybody, but hopefully we're all running uh, on all cylinders there towards the end of the season. Yeah, you know, I, I threw you some jump balls, you know. Jaden, I was Des, you were Jaden, and, 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 and we're going to end up completing those passes. And they're going to be touchdowns. I mean, sometimes, sometimes you reach and you just can't get it. But yeah, you'll get there. reach a little higher. Reach a little higher. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for us here. The inaugural, the opening, the, the first of many, the Bearcat Bounce podcast, the BBP, for my broadcast partner and budding friend. Can we say budding friend? I think so. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. Budding friend, Aaron Smith. I am Brent Young. Thank you very much. Have a great night.